Welcome to the Red Lot Large Adventure Podcast. I'm Drifter. And I'm Gypsy. Talking about ghost towns, graveyards, outlaws, heroes, and ladies of the night. Howdy folks. Thanks again for joining us on yet another adventure. Today we're going to tell you about our trip to visit the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. But before we tell you about the house, we want to tell you about the Winchester family and how Sarah was able to obtain the money she needed to build this beautiful and elaborate house. So Oliver Fisher Winchester was born November 30th, 1810 in Boston, Massachusetts. He married Jane Ellen Hope on February 20th, 1834. The two of them had five kids. It went girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. (laughs) So Oliver did not start out working with guns. He worked as a carpenter for a bit, building houses throughout the area. Then at the age of 24, he started his own company where he manufactured men's shirts. He was so successful at this that he was making roughly $600,000 a year. And this is 18-something. <laughs> 18-something. Yeah. I don't know, somewhere around then. So in today's dollar, that would be around $15 million. A year. He's yeah. doing all right making shirts. Yeah. So Oliver then started teaching his son, William, everything he knew about the shirt manufacturing company and eventually made him the treasurer of the company. So Oliver, being a savvy businessman, saw the future of firearms. And in 1855, he invested in the division of Smith & Wesson Firearms that manufactured a gun called the Volcanic. He bought about 80 shares at $25 a piece. That's about $700 a share today. Which we were saying that's still a lot of money for a share, right? Yeah, last, last time I looked up a Harley-Davidson share, it was around 45 bucks. Yeah, so $25 back then is a lot, even kind of for today, buying a $25 share in something. Yeah, if you're buying a $700 share today, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, the company began to fail and investors started to pull out, including Smith and Wesson. This left Oliver as the president and the treasurer of the company. So by 1857, in an attempt to save the company, he changed the name to the New Haven Arms Company. He then opened a factory that employed 50 men and even some gals that worked manufacturing ammunition. Yeah, I'm sure their tiny hands worked well with the little bullets and stuff on huh? Springs and all that, yeah. Yep. Uh, The New Haven Arms Company had a slow start. The volcanic guns design and poor performance of the cartridge did not appeal to the people. The gun was designed as a repeater, but it fired small caliber cartridges where other guns during that time could fire larger caliber cartridges. The ammunition it used were hollowed cord bullets filled with gunpowder and capped with a percussion cap in the rear. The small dose of powder inside the bullet is comparable to about a 22 long rifle cartridge today. Mm-hmm. So Oliver also hired Benjamin Tyler Henry to be the factory superintendent. He found Benjamin while he was working for him at a shirt factory repairing the sewing machines. He felt that Benjamin would be a good fit in the firearm side because at the age of 16, he had apprenticed as a gunsmith, worked in a gun shop, as well as at the Springfield Armory. Benjamin worked on improving the volcanic repeating arm as well as the ammunition it fired. He made a larger frame and magazine which held around 16 rounds of his newly redesigned all brass cased 44 caliber cartridges. On October 16, 1860, Henry patented the gun and then he granted it to Oliver. Sure, because he couldn't afford to build it, right? Yeah, yeah quite likely. So in return, um, Oliver named the gun the Henry Rifle. Mm-hmm. 
this concept and the new gun, putting new light on Oliver's company, and suddenly everyone wanted the Henry rifle. For six years, some 13,000 Henrys were built. Oliver would have made about $650,000 selling the Henry rifle, which is about $19 million today. Uh, it's a healthy sale. Mm-hmm. Well, during the Civil War, the government did not issue the Henry rifle because it was a new technology and they hadn't tested it yet. And it also used ammunition that was specific to that gun. The soldiers that were fortunate enough to get their hands on the gun during the war were thankful. They could fire off about 14 to 15 rounds a minute, while other men were still using single-shot rifles that required you to reload after every shot. Which would take quite a bit of time to reload, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so... Even with them, if a speed loader back then was your ball and powder in a package, basically, you'd tear it off with your teeth and dump it down the barrel, uh-huh. shove it down with a ramrod, and that was a speed loader, but it's still taken some time. Probably still at least, what, a minute, maybe? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, some soldiers understood the power that the gun had, and they actually went out and purchased the gun out of their own pocket, as well as the ammunition for it. So during the Civil War, the men were paid about $13 a month, and the Henry rifle cost $50. Four months of wages. Yeah. To buy your own rifle. Yeah, and the ammunition. Mm -hmm. So uh, the $13 a month is about $400 today, and the $50 would have been about $1,400 today. Yeah, it seems like they're still going for about that equivalency in price. Mm-hmm. About fourteen hundred new. I'm finding some online for eight fifty being used or whatever, but a brand new one's probably still between twelve and fourteen hundred bucks. So you can't buy a fifty dollar gun anymore. Uh, not that you'd ever want to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a replica. Well, in eighteen sixty four, Henry left the company to work on his own designs, which today are still being manufactured. Yeah, we saw them in the newspaper, huh? Mm-hmm. So on July 1st, 1865, after the success of the Henry Rifle, the company changed the name to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Oliver then opened a new factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut. They then set off to improving the Henry Rifle. Nelson King came up with the idea to add a loading gate on the side so rounds could be shoved forward into the magazine tube. And he also added a wood stock so that the barrel would not burn your hand. Totally revolutionized that rifle. (laughs) Yeah. The Model 1866 was the first gun released under the Winchester name. They manufactured 170,000 of them, and it was nicknamed the Yellow Boy. And we found out what the nickname came from was actually the Native Americans because of the bright yellow brass receiver. Mm -hmm. They could probably see it pretty far away, huh, if the sun hit it just right. Oh, yeah. It's like putting a mirror into the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We couldn't find out how much they were selling the Model 1866 for, but if we go off the $50 price, that would have meant that Oliver made about $8,500,000, which is about $152 million today. A lot of money. Yeah, it was a good turn. Well, Oliver ran for Lieutenant Governor of Connecticut and won the vote in 1866. During this time, the Winchester family was living in a large house in New Haven, Connecticut. This will be important to know as we tell you a little bit more about the family in a bit. I tried to look up that house to Mm -hmm. see if it was still there. And I was getting kind of misinformation. But apparently there's a house that's on the property of Yale University that they were going to tear down. And the students protested to not tear it down. Kind of seemed like that may have been their house. Oh, 
still part of the Yale property now. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to look more into it and find out because it was a really beautiful house. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so by 1869, the Transcontinental Railroad was complete. And this is when we get the big move out west for everybody. The sale of the Winchester gun did not slow down. It actually only just picked up. People wanted it even more now. So in 1873, they designed the 1873 model, Hmm. creative with their names, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Giving the rifle an iron frame as well as special bullets. This was the gun that will forever be known as... The gun that won the West. (laughs) So they produced about 700,000 of these guns. That's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, The gun was so loved that Buffalo Bill wrote a testimonial for the catalog stating, quote... For hunting, I pronounce your improved Winchester the boss. Thank you, Bill, for joining us. Yes. Theodore Roosevelt also wrote about it saying, quote... The Winchester is by all odds the best weapon I ever had, and now I use it almost exclusively. Thank you, Teddy. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, Billy the Kid's most famous picture, we all know that picture, is of him holding an 1873 Winchester rifle. The Texas Rangers even carried the Winchester, and it was a favorite of Miss Annie Oakley. Mm-hmm. Well, Oliver's company was flourishing at this point. The Winchester gun was known throughout the U.S. and possibly the most sought-after gun. On December 10, 1880, at the age of 62, Oliver passed away. We couldn't find out anything stating what he passed away from. His son, William, took the company over at that point. Yep. So, William Wirt was the second child in the family, born on June 22, 1837, And he was the firstborn son. So their second son didn't make it. He only lived for a few months. Mm -hmm. So he's really the only male heir left of the family. Um, He was 42 years old at the time that he took over the company. William was just a child when the family moved into the large house in New Haven. And some people think that during his childhood is when he might have met Miss Sarah Darlene Lockwood Party. Mm Mm-hmm. Long name for her, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Sarah was born on September 1st, 1839 to Leonard Pardee and Sarah W. Burns. She was the fifth of seven children. Her father was a manager at a bathhouse for a while, and then he started working as a carpenter. While he was working as a carpenter, he obtained a fortune by selling ambulances to the Union Army during the Civil War. When they say a bathhouse, is that like you literally what it means? Like you go there to take a bath? In the 1800s, probably. It's just like we see in the Wild West movies where, like in Deadwood, Wild Bill and Charlie Utter are hanging out in the bathhouse. Yeah, I guess it would still be like that then, huh? Mm, This is before all that Deadwood stuff, so yeah. Yeah, the East just seems like it was so much more civilized. Yeah, they had a bathhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Truth facts. Mm -hmm. Okay, well... Sarah was able to go to a nice school, and by the time she was 12 years old, she could speak French, Latin, Italian, and Spanish. Yeah, me too. Oh, you don't say. I had German in there too. Oui, oui. Mm. (laughs) That's all I know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, She later attended an all-woman's school at Yale University, and this may have been when Sarah and William met because one of Sarah's classmates was William's sister, Annie. This seems a little bit more likely to us, not that they met as children. Hmm. Well, William and Sarah were married on September 30th, 1862. 
They lived with his family in a large house, and during this time, Sarah gave birth to a baby girl named Annie Pardee Winchester on June 15, 1866. Annie only lived for six weeks before she passed away on July 24, 1866 from marasmus, which pretty much means that she could not process calories and protein properly. Uh, the couple did not have any more children after that because William was also suffering from tuberculosis. Three years after Annie passed away, Sarah's father passed on June 11, 1869. Before Oliver Winchester passed away, Sarah also lost her mother on May 11, 1880. So William was the owner of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company for only like three months, just a small time, mm. um, before he passed away at the age of 43 on March 7th, 1881. Sarah inherited her husband's fortune, and it is estimated that it was worth about $20 million. Yeah, it's about five $544 million today. Wow. Uh, she also received 50% ownership in the company, which gave her an income of about $1,000 a day. Which is $27,000 a day in today's money. <laughs> That's insane. Mm. And another quick note while I'm thinking of it, have you, do you recall Mr. Uh, Winchester's beard, his facial hair? Yeah. He didn't have anything in the middle, but his yeah. beard was about the length of mine? Yeah. Fantastic. You guys should look up a picture. <laughs> well, it kind of like fanned out too. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting style of your beard. Mm-hmm. Very, <laughs> very cool. I might try pulling it off. No. Oh. All right. Well, at this point, Sarah had lost both parents, her father-in-law, her only child, and her husband. Being a very wealthy gal, and I'm sure needing some time away from things, she decided to go on a three-year world tour. We don't really know exactly where she went on the trip, aside from a newspaper article in the New Haven Register that stated, Sarah had been removed to Europe. Once Sarah returned to New Haven, she decided to move west and be with her family. Her brother-in-law was the president of Mills College, and two of her sisters were living in the Bay Area. When she arrived in 1884, she purchased an eight-bedroom farmhouse in San Jose that sat on 160 acres for $12,570 in gold coin. That's just over three hundred and thirty-seven grand today. I don't so, think you're buying a house anywhere for in California for that. No, <laughs> no. Like I said last night, I don't even think you can buy a palm tree for that much uh -huh, money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Sarah quickly went to work at expanding the house. The original name Sarah gave the house was Lanata Villa. I probably said it wrong. <laughs> yeah, Lanata, it's spelled L-L-A-N-A-D-A. -A -A, and from what I could find, it sounds like Janata, Janata, mm -hmm. uh, which means flat ground or plains. And did you say it was like Cuban or something? Colombian. Colombian. Yeah, Colombian Spanish is what I found. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Mm. But today it is known as the Winchester Mystery House, so I can actually say the name. <laughs> yeah, easy to pronounce. <laughs> I think they fixed it just for me, maybe? I don't Likely. Know. Yeah. Sarah's father was a carpenter, and he may have taught her some things that he knew about woodworking. She also may have seen some amazing buildings on her trip to Europe that she wanted to recreate as well. She had a very elaborate ideas of what she wanted the house to look like and had a difficult time finding someone to help her create them. She had fired several architects before she decided to take on the drawing and planning herself. She had no formal training or experience, so things would get a little bit out of hand. Yeah, I read something that there is no blueprints of the house. 
So when they were doing renovations, they were having a hard time like knowing what to go off of because <laughs> mm-hmm. there was nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. um, the story about Sarah and her house also got a little out of hand as well. Today, people believe Sarah went to see a medium after all the deaths in her life, and the medium was able to contact her husband, who told her that she needed to move to California and build a house for the spirits of those killed by the Winchester rifle, and to never stop building, or she would die. So she had stairs that go nowhere, built to confuse the ghosts, as they say. (laughs) And when we say they go nowhere... If you were to walk up the stairs, you would just slap your head right on the ceiling. Mm. It literally just ends. There's doors (laughs) that lead to nowhere to trick the ghosts as well as a door that opens to outside with no balcony. And that one's on the third floor, it seems. Yeah. So if you were to step out the door, you would just fall to your death. Mm. At least break something. Yeah, true. She also had closets built that were about an inch deep. Windows built into the floor, as well as holes just left randomly in the floor. (laughs) Because Sarah didn't know what she was doing when she was building the house and had no plan in mind other than to build, she would add rooms to the side of the house and she would just leave the exterior wall or the window, the shingles, she'd just leave it all there, build a a room around it so you could look in through the window and, I don't know, it looked almost like a green room, but it wasn't. It was like a bedroom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was kind of weird. Sarah built the house seven stories high, but when the earthquake in 1906 hit, part of the tower on the house was destroyed and she never rebuilt it. She just tore it down. Also, when the tower fell, the house shifted and this caused Sarah to be trapped in her room. Her workers had to pry the door open to get her out, and Sarah left that wing of the house boarded up after that. So the story goes that Sarah felt the spirits were angry with her because she was nearing completion of the house. So rather than build up, she built out. Yeah, she just kept expanding outwards. Yeah. She had 160 acres. Yeah, just keep going. It'd be interesting if she hadn't died. Sorry to ruin that for you guys, she dies. But uh, if she hadn't died, how big the house would have gotten. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So not everything in the house is crazy and unusual. She was also an innovator. She designed the Annunciator, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. So she designed the Annunciator system and had it installed in the house. The Annunciator had a master board located in the staff quarter. Sarah would ring a bell in the room she was in, and the board would drop a number telling the staff where she was. Then she could call through the tubes where they had these tubes that ran throughout the whole house. So she could call in the tubes and let the staff know what she needed. And she was also the first person to use wool as insulation for the house. Interesting. Well, before she moved into the house, she had her own gas generator built into the basement that supplied the carbide gas lights in the house. She then had switches installed that allowed her to turn the lights on and off. She had indoor plumbing, faucets, flushing toilets, and one of the first showers in the area to be installed was in her house. And it's still a pretty fancy shower to us, even by today's standards. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind it in my house. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, All of this sounds like normal living to us today, but indoor plumbing has really only been readily available to us for about the last 80 years. So she was pretty ahead of her time. Mm -hmm. 
Um, She loved her garden, and when she had the garden room built in the house, she had these metal gutters of a sort kind of placed under the floor. So when you watered the plant, you could just lift the floor up, water the plant, and the water would just run out of the room, and this kept the floor from being damaged. And she also bought a garden hose for the gardener, which again, this sounds crazy, but that was a new thing back then, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. have a rubber garden hose. (laughs) Yeah. And so I designed these little metal corner moldings for the corners of the floor and the stairs. So they were there so that the dust wouldn't collect in the corners and the staff could just sweep and it would come right out without having stuff left right there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, they're awesome. So we don't have wood stairs at our house, but if we did, I would uh, definitely try and find somewhere to purchase these or a way to make them because it was super smart. Mm -hmm. And she even had... uh, she created the cranks for the windows inside too, yeah. to be able to open and close them. That's cool. Yeah. So not only was she making money from the Winchester Rifle Company, she also had fruit trees on the property with a full-time staff to tend to them. Yeah, they would pick the fruit and bring it to the building she had built behind the house to dehydrate the fruit and sell it. The concept she came up with was pretty awesome. She had a machine build that you could load the trays of fruit on it, and then it would rotate and use the sun to dry out the fruit. Yeah, like rotated up mm-hmm. and then would come back around. Yeah, like a Ferris wheel. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's a perfect way of explaining it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So she spared no expense at building this house. She used redwood to build it and had marble shipped in and had one of a kind stained glass windows designed for the house. One of the stained glass windows was thought to be made by Tiffany. But during a renovation, they found an envelope that Sarah had written Warren and then $18 on the back of it. But when they flipped it over, they found that on the front of it, they found a stamp on it for the Pacific American Decorative Company. The company was owned by John Mallon, who at the time was considered one of America's greatest glass artists of the late 1800s. Folks are now starting to think that John Mellon may have been the artist that created the windows. I'm sure if Mr. Mellon knew people were thinking that his artwork was that of Tiffany's, he probably wouldn't be upset by it. Not likely. <laughs> um, my favorite window is the one that Miss Winchester actually designed herself, and it's on display in a room that stores all of the building material that was left behind after Sarah's passing. The window has two spider webs kind of intertwined with each other. And it has these 13 colorful orbs placed throughout. And it starts, the top's kind of blue, and then it fades into like an orange and a yellow. And each orb is a different color. Mm -hmm. So we'll put pictures of that up on the website for sure. Yeah. Well, the mention of the number 13 brings us to another reason folks believe the house is haunted. All throughout the house, there's the number 13. 13 petals on the daisies and the stained glass in the daisy room. 13 windows in the bathroom. She even had a 13th light added to the chandelier in the ballroom. Yeah, I remember when they pointed that out to us. Mm -hmm. I sat there and I'm trying to count them all and it was hard because you can't go in the actual ballroom. Mm -hmm. So you can't really see every little one. But I thought, how crazy that she's like, nope. You just need to add another light there for me. <laughs> yeah, at the beginning of the Winchester movie, when they're going kind of panning through the house a little bit, they focused on that chandelier to kind of point it out. Oh, I never put that together. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to watch that again. Okay. <laughs> so the ballroom is the most well-preserved room in the house, boasting 12-foot-high ceilings, and is it was the most expensive and the largest room built. 
The floor is made up of seven different kinds of wood, and they used no nails in the ballroom when they built it. It took them almost two years to complete the room, and if you get the chance to see it, or if you've seen pictures of it, you'll understand why it took so long. Inside the ballroom, there are two stained glass windows with Shakespearean quotes, one saying, Wyatt unclasped the tables of their thoughts. The other one says, These same thoughts people this little world. The most unique thing that they found in the ballroom was actually a safe Sarah had built into the wall. Once they were able to get inside, they found the death certificate of her husband and daughter, as well as two locks of hair. Mm. So for 36 years, Sarah worked on her house. Some even say 24 hours a day. All the way up until she passed away at the age of 82 on September 5th, 1922. At that point, construction on the house immediately stopped. Yeah, I read something that once the carpenters found out that she had passed away, they just, like, dropped their tools and walked off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What she created was a 24,000-square-foot house, four stories high with 160 rooms, 10,000 windows, which is more windows than the Empire State Building. Wow. 52 skylights, 2,000 doors, 47 stairways, 17 chimneys, 13 bathrooms, 6 kitchens, 3 dining rooms, and 1 shower. (laughs) So the cost of what she put into the house was about $5.5 million. When she passed away, it was valued at $5,000. And that's just over $78,000 today. I'll give him five grand for that house. Yeah. Her niece inherited 3000 bucks, Which is about $47,000. And that came from her aunt, and then she also got everything inside the house. She didn't know what to do with all the furniture, so she just sold everything. Yeah, I remember in the tour they were talking about it was like a caravan of trucks coming. Yeah, just lined up to move. Mm -hmm. Just hauling all the furniture out. I wonder where it all went. Yeah, private sellers, I'd imagine. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be so cool to say you have this table that came out of the Winchester house? Mm -hmm. Ugh, I'm jealous. A little bit. <laughs> in April 1923, John and Mamie Brown leased the house and the remaining grounds. They moved into the house with their kids and wanted to create a park and actually build a roller coaster there. Kind of weird. In 1909, John designed and built the Backity Back Scenic Railroad wooden roller coaster that was built in Crystal Beach Park. Plans for the roller coaster never happened, and the house was actually opened for tours to the public that same year. Mamie was actually the first tour guide. How fun would that be? Hmm. So on Halloween night in 1924, the infamous Harry Houdini visited the house in an attempt to debunk the paranormal stories about the house. He was unable to come to any conclusion about if it was haunted or not, but he did say it was mysterious. And this, my friends, is where the name Winchester Mystery House comes from. Ooh. That was my ghost sounds. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So we just touched on a few things about the house. There is so much more to offer. And if you ever get the chance to see it firsthand, do not pass up the opportunity. Um, I did see online that during the COVID lockdown that they are doing 3D tours of the Winchester House. Um, You just purchase it on their website. It's $9.00. And with that purchase, you also get a free ticket to visit the house once it opens back up. I don't remember what we paid for our tickets, but they were well over $9. Yeah, I feel like it's 20 and then the second part was 23 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. 
So if you want to go when this thing opens up, I would suggest doing this 3D tour. Yeah, it's a hell of a deal. Yeah. So I don't know how long they're doing this or how long they're offering it, but right this very moment, it still is up for purchase. Mm. Um, I actually bought it. It was super fun to um, walk through and see everything. And it's easy to use. You just, there's circles on the floor. So you'll click the circle to move to the next spot. And they've done a really good job at making it so that it only moves you like a few feet at a time. So you really can look around and see all the details. But you can also just hit play, and then it'll just walk you through automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah, you were showing me some spots of it when you were going through it. It was way cool. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a Google Street View. Yeah. Where you go into the house, and then you can look around at that area. Yeah, because once you're at that circle, you can move around and look up. Mm-hmm. So it was really neat, for sure. Yeah. Well, our trip to the Winchester house was scheduled around Halloween. So if you don't know us by now, we absolutely love Halloween. And when I saw that they were doing a separate haunted tour of the Winchester house, there was no way we were going to miss this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they also do tours on Friday the 13th. Uh, we haven't done that one yet. I think it's a flashlight tour that they do on Friday the 13th. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. So we did get online to purchase the tickets for the haunted house tour because they were limited and they do sell out pretty fast. So if they bring this back in the future and you want to go, just kind of keep it in mind that you might want to purchase your tickets a few months in advance. Yeah, I feel like I bought mine in like May or June or something. Mm-hmm. So, well, and they only moved their calendar so far ahead as well. It's like a few months. Yeah. I remember trying to get tickets and not knowing if the dates were going to be available as I'm trying to plan out Yeah. for the future, you know? Yeah, that's true. I forgot that they did that. Mm-hmm. Well, Jifter had been to the Winchester house before when he actually went on a trip with his niece, but I hadn't been yet. So we figured we should get tickets to see it during the day before we go at night when you can't see anything. Mm-hmm. Nor does the haunted tour actually give you the historic aspects of the house. Yeah, you're not really seeing them in the daylight and checking mm-hmm. out the details and having to stop and have things explained to you. Yep. So if you purchase tickets for the day tour, they do offer a few different options. And we picked the one that allowed us to see most of the house. And we also purchased a separate ticket that allowed us to go inside the basement and the stables. I think they were calling the regular tour, and then the add-on was the Explore More tour. Yeah, I think so. And you could probably do one or the other, so if you wanted to go there and do part of it one day. But we just did them back-to-back and then did the haunted house part later at night. Yeah, I feel like, though, you need to see the house first before you do the Explore More tour. Yeah. Because it it doesn't show you much. Right. Um, The tickets for the haunted tour were called the Winchester Unhinged. And if they do it again and you want to go, just look out for that. I I think I followed their Facebook page or something, and that's how I found out they were doing all this. Hmm. So we drove to San Jose in the adventure van because it was all set up to sleep inside. We drove right to the Winchester house and looked around the area for a place to park for the night and sleep. We did find on the Overlander app that someone had slept on a side street close to the Winchester house just a few days before, but... It seemed a little strange to us. It was kind of like in a neighborhood, and mm-hmm. so we opted out. Um, luckily, we are members of the Planet Fitness, so if you find one that is open 24 hours, they most of them will let you sleep in the parking lot, and that's exactly what we did. We set up camp in the parking lot, had some sandwiches, and played some video games on the little handheld, what's, what's that thing called? The, the Nintendo Switch. I always call it a Game Boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we went to bed, so... Um, Gypsy slept like a baby. 
Drifter, on the other hand, he was up all night. There was a lot of um, activity in the parking lot. You know, the gym's open 24 hours, so there are people that go work out at weird hours and just a lot going on. So he didn't sleep very well. He's like my little guard dog while I'm asleep. Right. <laughs> well, another bonus about going to the Planet Fitness is you get to use the showers. Yeah, so when we woke up, we just went inside, showered, and made sure to grab some of those little yummy grape Tootsie Rolls they have there for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the second day we went in to use the shower, the same guy was there, and we actually kind of started chatting with him, and he was super sweet. He gave us these little coins so that we could use their massage chairs that they had there. It was mm -hmm. really nice, actually. Yeah. Well, the tour of the house starts off in the carriage room that she had put a roof over so she didn't have to get out in the rain. In this room, you get to see the first signs of her weird designs. There are two doors side by side. One opens to a wall, nothing behind it, and the <laughs> other door is too small to walk through. Sarah was only four foot ten, but this door is still pretty short. Yeah, I think she would still have to duck to get inside the mm -hmm. door. Mm -hmm. So after the carriage room, they take you through the part of the house that they call the $24,000 room because when Sarah passed away... They added up all the building supplies left in the house and valued them at $24,000. So this room has the spider stained glass window in it that Sarah designed herself, as well as several more stained glass windows. And they have lights behind them, so they'll turn the lights on randomly behind the stained glass windows so you can really see what they look like. Mm -hmm. That's pretty awesome. So after the $24,000 room, you get to go up the strange staircase. If you've ever seen the Winchester movie, this is the staircase that the boy tries to kill his grandma in. The stairs are made up of 44 steps and 7 turns called Easy Up Stairs. They're 100 feet in length and you only travel about 9 feet in height. Some people think she built the staircase to confuse the ghost, but in reality, Sarah actually suffered from arthritis and I'm sure it was very difficult for her to climb the stairs. I know Drifter had an easier time going up the set of stairs for sure. So Sarah may have actually been onto something when she built them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said I want these in the house. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not going in the house. <laughs> we'll see. So as you walk through the second floor, you get to see the house in all stages of being built, as well as building materials they were using just left behind out there. Yeah. There's also several examples of the Lynn Cresta wallpaper that Sarah used throughout the house. And that wallpaper was expensive then, and when I looked it up to see what it was, it is still for sale, and it still is very expensive. It's The best way to explain it is that when they first started making it, it was essentially like linoleum wallpaper, mm -hmm. but as it evolved, uh, they made wallpaper that is raised with a design. Mm -hmm. Kind of embossed. Yeah. And we still have that type of wallpaper today and people will paint it. Mm -hmm. But she bought like every design that was available and they've got it up on the wall so you can see all the different details of things. Mm -hmm. It's cool wallpaper for sure. Um, this part of the tour is also where you get to see Sarah's room, her bathroom with the 13 windows and the only shower in the house. The story goes that she died in her bedroom from heart failure. If we correctly remember, though, the furniture in the room is not the original furniture. But honestly, that bed inside that room, if it ended up in my bedroom one day, I would not be mad about it. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the furniture was sold off by the niece. So Yeah. Next to her room is the room folks believe to be the seance room. There's only one way into the room, but three ways out. 
The windows have bars on them. Not sure why, maybe just so no one could jump out the windows. There are two doors in the room that don't allow you to leave the room. One of them opens to a hole in the floor where you would drop into the kitchen sink, and the other one opens to a closet in the room next to it. In this room, you also see the number 13 with 13 hooks on the wall. The story about this room goes that at midnight, the bell in the bell house would ring every night, and this is when the ghosts would come out to talk to Sarah. Then at 2 a.m., the bell would ring again, telling the ghosts to leave. Go to bed. <laughs> Sounds like a spooky fun story, but we also found several stories that several of Sarah's servants lived in the room on and off. But I like the ghost story mm. better. Yeah. <laughs> so next you'll walk through the North Conservatory. And this room has the fancy watering system in the floor that we talked about. Then you'll walk into the Hall of Fires, where the small space has seven different sources of heat. There's four fireplaces and three four-stair registers in there. Sounds like your room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keep it warm. Now, they believe that Sarah may have used this area as a sauna to kind of help with the pain from her arthritis. So in this area, you'll also get to see the room Sarah's niece lived in for 15 years before she moved out when she got married. Some of the rooms here also have like an Asian type feel to them. Mm -hmm. So maybe when Sarah was on her three-year tour that she went to Asia as well and got some ideas for the house. Quite likely. So the South Conservatory has the most windows in it, including the windows in the floor and the ceiling. So after you catch some vitamin D in the conservatory, you get to see the side of the house that sustained most of the damage from the earthquake. They also take you to the room that Sarah was trapped inside. And this is the room that you get to see the daisy stained glass windows and the beautiful crystal wallpaper. When the light hits it just right, the, it just sparkles. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. After that, we got to see the third floor where the servants lived. The fourth floor is the highest point in the house, and they let you walk around the outside on the balcony. This is where you get to see the iconic bell tower that the story says she rang at midnight and 2 a.m. Do you remember being on the roof? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was crazy because you could like almost walk up to the top of the roof from that balcony. Yeah. So the tour takes you through the kitchens where you get to see the large pantry she had built, as well as the stove that the... <laughs> the chief? Not the chief, the chef. Hmm. Yeah. So the, <laughs> uh, where, the, where the chef would prepare her meals on, the washroom had three sinks built into the counter, and the sinks have these ridges built on the backside of them, and they would actually use them as the washboard. Mm -hmm. um, another really pretty innovative thing for that time. Next to the kitchen and the washroom are the twin dining rooms where they just recently finished up renovations. And this is where the envelope we told you about was discovered. The wooden floor is beautiful. I mean, the designs inside this thing were amazing. And I really wish we could have spent more time being able to see things. But, you know, they're trying to hurry you through because they've got more people. So. Mm. So the basement tour of the house was the separate tour of the Explore More Port. Mm -hmm. uh, you do have to wear a hard hat because the ceilings are pretty low and they don't want you to hit your head, of course. Do you remember our tour guide, how she pointed out how short she was and she said she was the same height as Sarah mm -hmm. and that she didn't ever have to worry about hitting her head right? inside there. <laughs> yeah. I laughed and I thought about that just now. <laughs> yeah, well, the tour takes you to where the original Furman steam boiler still sits. They would have coal brought in and it shoveled into the basement. 
The coal was used to heat water and create steam that ran through the pipes in the house, and that's how that heat this whole building. Yeah, pretty smart. Mm-hmm. So the basement is a little scary, and this is where most people say they've seen a ghost. They call him the wheelbarrow ghost because when he worked for Sarah, he would bring the coal in with a wheelbarrow, and people say they still see him today pushing the wheelbarrow. I don't know, maybe he doesn't know that Sarah's passed on and that he no longer needs to heat the house for her. And they're probably not using that boiler anymore to heat the house either. <laughs> yeah, but he's got nothing else to do, so. True, that's true. So, well, they even actually have a picture of him hanging up in the house. So if you do go to the tour, make sure you have your tour guide pointed out to you. Mm-hmm. So you can see if you see the wheelbarrow ghost while you're there. Um, so yeah, the house is a winding maze of hallways and rooms. And if you were to walk through alone, there's a very good chance you're going to get lost. Yeah. I wonder if Sarah even knew her way around the house. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And also, how long do you think it would have taken the servants to remember their way around the house? Forever. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if she's always adding on. You're like, shit, I don't remember that room being here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a new hole in the floor. Yeah. <sighs> so we just talked about a few of the things that we remember about the tour, but... Honestly, we feel like you could go several times and still see something new and learn something new that you didn't know was even there before. Mm -hmm. Each of the tour guides have a different presentation and things that are more interesting to them that they touch on. So yeah, when I went with my niece and then when we went, it was a totally different tour just in presentation. That's interesting. I didn't think about that too, that the different tour guides would be different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh. That's fun. Um, so it's for the haunted house part of the tour. The tickets we got were on the last day they were doing that and the latest time you could get your ticket. So hoping that we didn't have to be rushed through for the next crowd. Yeah. So we had some time to just kind of hang out and explore the outside of the house. And they had an area set up with a spooky carnival, games, axe throwing, tarot card reading. But the tarot card reader was actually closed because mm-hmm. it was kind of late. So I'm sure they were just done. Um, They had a bar set up where you can get drinks, and the drinks actually came with these super fun light-up ice cubes. We still have one of them left. (laughs) The other two finally died. We went back specifically to get drinks with light-up ice cubes in them. Yeah. (laughs) Well, remember they poured you a drink and didn't give you one, and you're like, um, do I get an ice cube? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Do I not look like the kind of guy that wants a light-up ice cube? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, on the front of the house, they had a movie that played about every 30 minutes. Not really so much of a movie. It was kind of a, uh, I don't even know how you'd explain it. Yeah. It was almost a 3D type of thing to where it looked like the house was crumbling. They would black out parts of the house and light up the windows and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Gypsy got a video of it. It's not, it was from her phone, but we'll see if we can still put it up on the website so you could watch it. And that was. Amazing. We watched it two or three times. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing, but it was still really fun to see it. Yeah. Whatever they did was amazing. I want to do that to my house for Halloween. Okay. Good luck. (laughs) Also, I forgot to mention in here that they, um, where you go buy your tickets, they have a little gift shop that's full of shirts and shot glasses, all kinds of fun stuff with the Winchester on it. Mm -hmm. But they also had an area where they had the guns on display. Then they had that big gingerbread house. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have pictures of that, so I'll have to share those too. But I found it funny in that little cabinet, there was roller skates in there. 
Yeah, I think they had roller skates, ice skates or something. Yeah. A little bit of everything that they ventured out into. Yeah, so make sure to check that out too if you guys go. Because we went in back in there several times just to kind of warm up, but then, you know, see more things. Yeah, it's a little micro museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the haunted tour was actually a lot of fun. They put you in groups and they make you feel like you're going to go through another actual tour of the house. And you have your own tour guide that leads you inside and then you get trapped in this room. And suddenly the tour guide's taken and you're left alone. Finally, someone will come and open the door and they tell you to just run out of the room. And at this point, the group's kind of on their own to make their way through the house. They do have people that will kind of guide you to the next part or try and scare you into the next part by chasing you out. But this was probably one of the best haunted houses we've been to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. We'll have to say if you get a chance to go to the haunted tour that... um and you have not been inside of the house before, then you'll want to make sure that you go on a normal tour of the house as well because you don't get to see all the details and the beauty that the house has to offer. They just kind of speed you through into the, the next part of the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely worth doing the actual full tour. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. That was our tour of the Winchester Mystery House. Uh, there's dozens of podcasts, books, and YouTube videos that tell the story side of it or the speculation, I guess, in greater detail yeah. uh, regarding the medium telling her to build for the ghosts or the victims and the movie and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, but we're a bit of the mindset that being as Sarah's husband was only the owner of the business for just a few months before he passed away. Not to mention he was not the one who built or designed the rifles. Right. Yeah, that the, the guilt of all those killed by the Winchester, it's not really likely. Yeah, not as likely, nor is it so romantic and not as likely to inspire intrigue and mystery. And movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the movie feeds off of nothing but that. And it's a great story. And even the tour guides talk a lot about that, but it's just kind of our different take. So we thought we'd share some more facts of the history that is often disregarded and as well as our experience. Yeah, I feel like she just had a lot of money with no one to spend it on and wanted to just try out building things. Sure. <laughs> I do it all the time and I don't even have the money. <laughs> right. You know, because it's fun. It's creative. And you can see that in her, that creative side of her. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's nice. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So is it that time for uh, dad jokes with Gypsy, or did we already cover them all? Dad jokes all day. <laughs> we, we did them all. <laughs> oh man, I do have one for you. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So, what is one room in a house that a ghost has absolutely no use for? What is one room in a house that a ghost has no use for? I would say the bathroom. No, it's the living room. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. <laughs> the living room. <laughs> Got it. Because <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so we're okay. still uh, taking suggestions if anybody wants to help Gypsy out with these jokes. Oh, man. I got myself up. Yeah. <laughs> So a lot of the information used in this podcast came from being at the actual tour. That helped. <laughs> Weird. Uh, the Winchester House website itself, uh, centerofthewest.org, is where I got a lot of the information of the guns on it. 
uh, familysearch.org and just some other little random searches just to back up some of the other things I've read just to make sure. Mm-hmm. So, And also, relating to our last episode. The Tabor Love Affair. Our friends from the Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery podcast sent us some pictures of Augusta Tabor's grave in Colorado that we didn't get a chance to visit. Yeah, so we'd like to thank them for the pictures and actually allowing us to use them. So they'll be posted on the website for you guys to see. Because um, for some reason we didn't go see her and uh, we were kind of bummed about it. But yep. very grateful that they helped us out. So, yeah, Well, thanks again for joining us, folks. Uh, if you'd like to follow along with us, we can be found on Instagram. At Rebel at Large. You can visit our website. RebelAtLarge.com to find pictures of our visit to the Winchester House. And you'll also find links to our other social deals as well as a link to the Patreon if you'd like to hear us talk a bit more and help put some fuel in our tanks. Yeah. Well, we'll talk to y'all in a couple weeks. Safe travels. We'll see y'all down the road. And suddenly everyone wanted the Henry Rifle. <laughs> that came out funny. Rifle? Rifle. That doesn't make sense. Pausing. The floor is made up of seven. Se- Selvin. <laughs> How many? Seven. Selvin. Selvin. <laughs> okay. Oops. So in April 1923, John and Mamie, Mm -hmm. I did it this time. So after you catch some vitamin D, and I do not mean the D. (laughs) Sorry, that was soup and a probe. (laughs) Sorry.